Church, if you have your Bibles with you, open up to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 is where we're going to be spending our time today. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 2. If you don't have your Bibles with you, shame on you. But no, if you don't have your Bibles with you, it'll be on the screen. We're going to be studying Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 today. And it reads like this. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Verse 2 is where we're going to be spending most of our time today. It says this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. I don't know about you, but my mind's got to get a little healthier this year. This year is coming to an end. Let me, let me start thinking about next year. My mind needs to get healthier for next year. And Paul says, transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today, Lord. Lord, we do run to you. We come to you because in you and only in you, we find satisfaction, we find riches, we find joy, Lord. Lord, we pray that today that you would speak life into people today, that they wouldn't hear a, a preacher, that they would hear you. And your spirit would give them life, but also would give them freedom and a fresh way of how to look forward in life. And you would give them the power to press forward and con to continue on to become who you called them to become all in their lives, Lord. Lord, give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see. Let your word fall on good ground today. Let it transform us into the people you want us to be. And as we pray always, Lord, we pray that we walk out different than how we came in. As we always pray, Lord, that we walk out with a fresh perspective of how Monday and Tuesday and the rest of the week will go because of your word that was planted in our hearts today. We love you and we thank you. In Christ's perfect name is who we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Good morning, Christ Church. So good. I like the energy right off the bat. I love it. 9.30 service. So happy to have you guys here with us, all of our online family, online family. What's going on? Glad to have you guys here with us. For some of you don't know, but this stage, this building, this is home for me, y'all. I'm home, y'all. This is, I, I'm so excited to be back. This is where the, the, this place, this building, this room is where I found the Lord. I heard the Lord's voice, and I, I heard him calling me for, oh, thank you. Oh, oh, it's going to be that kind of service today. Y'all going to make a brother sweat. So anyway, it's going to be a fun day today. But man, this is the day that I, uh, this is the place where I found the Lord. This is the place where my wife and I started coming 11 years ago. And I'm so thankful to be a part of this church. And I want you guys to know, man, we are a blessed, spoiled church. We have great leaders. I can just tell you right now, our leadership team, the people that focus on the staff and focus on how to serve our volunteers and our church well, man, they are just some awesome people who love the Lord, who love people, and who want to see people raised to life in Christ. And let me tell you something. Part of the reason why we have such an awesome leadership team because we have an awesome leader named Doc. I don't know about you. I'm thankful for Doc and his investment in my life. In my heart, he has helped me to understand manhood and biblical understanding. I'm just so thankful for him. So, church, we are a part of an amazing and amazing church, and I'm so thankful to be a part of it, and you should as well. Well, today, we're going to be doing a one-off sermon today. Doc told me, I asked Doc, I said, hey, Doc, what should I preach about? 
He says, whatever you want. I said, Doc, you sure you want to put that in my hands, my brother? Because you know me, I'll go deep with him. He's like, no, Javon, just do whatever you want. I'm like, all right, Doc. So just to let you guys know, whatever I preach today, it's Doc's fault. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, today we're going to be talking about the road to renewal. The road to renewal. And, and today I, I want to talk about, and I want to start it off with this, this idea. Why is it so hard to change? You ever ask yourself that question? Why is it so hard to change? Because all of us in this room today, I guarantee you, or those who are watching online, we all have something that we want to change about ourselves. Let me, let me break it down a little bit more like this. We all have something we want to stop doing so we can start doing something else. We all want to stop having an attitude when things don't go our way. I'm talking about myself when I say that. We all have something. We want to stop spending so much. Even though it's holiday season, we want to stop doing whatever we're doing now and eventually establish a practice later on that has greater discipline, and we want to start doing something that leads to life and riches and fullness. A couple years ago, it's funny. Don't laugh at me when I say this, okay? But a couple years ago, I had this New Year's resolution, and it's funny that I say New Year's resolution because we're coming towards the end of 2022, but a couple years ago, I had this great idea that I was going to start doing yoga. See, I told you don't laugh. I asked you not to laugh, but you did. Ushers, the lady up front right here. I said, you know what? I have this great idea. I'm going to start doing yoga. I saw my wife do it, and, and I was like, you know what? I should start doing this. She's healthy. She's fit. She's in shape. So I said, you know what? I'm going to start doing yoga. And y'all, I took my first yoga class. And nobody should be stretching like that. I'm just going to tell you right now. <laughs> Especially men. Men shouldn't be doing that. That's just weird. Things got a little bit just, I was just like, you know what? I, I'm not for it. I had all these plans to do it, but I couldn't follow through. And I'm sure all of us have been, that, have been in that place before where we had all these plans of how we were going to do this and how we were going to do that, but we never ended up lasting or end up committing fully, completely, and we just stopped right there. We just stop right there. You ever find yourself asking, man, why is it so hard to change? Well, today I want to talk about, I think one of the reasons why it's so hard to change, because let me tell you something right now, life is full of change. Let me tell you right now, listen, the man my wife met 12 years ago is not the same man today. Now, hopefully I changed for the good, but at the end of the day, change is just a part of life. But here's the truth that I want you guys to know. I think the reason why change is hard to commit to, change is hard to be consistent with, I think the reason why is our method to change is all wrong. And I think today's scripture is going to help us to see that change isn't so much to do with what you do, but change has to all to do with who you are becoming. Does that make sense? Change is just so much in your actions. See, so many of us, when we want something to be different in our lives, we say to ourselves, well, I need to start doing this, and I, and I need to start doing that. I need to start waking up early, even though my kids keep me up, and I don't want to wake up early anymore. But anyway, we all have something in our lives that we say to ourselves, well, in order for me to establish this, I need to start doing that. But I believe we got the whole thing all wrong. I believe the scriptures, and I believe our passage, and I believe our lives, and what God wants each and every one of us to understand is that real, lasting, and thriving change doesn't begin with our action, but it begins with the foundation. Our foundation, our reason, our purpose, why we are doing what we're doing. See, we just focus solely just on action. We'll only see limited results. 
But God tells us to focus on foundation, who you are becoming. See, there we find lasting and thriving results within our lives. So today I want to talk about the road to renewal. Here's the one thing I want you to know. Change isn't so much what we do outwardly, but what's happening inwardly. Change isn't so much what we do outwardly. It, it has all to do with what's going on inwardly, who we are becoming and that's what God wants us to truly understand in Romans chapter 12. So let's bring it up again. Romans 12, 1 to 2. Let's read it right here. It says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. Now, this is the Apostle Paul. Now, I need you to understand the Apostle Paul is now shifting in this beautiful and amazing letter. And he's now shifting to the application part of the letter. But the first 11 chapters, he talked about foundation. Just like in our lives. Paul doesn't start with application he starts with foundation first, your why, your reason. He talks about all the foundational things that Christ has done, that God has done. He talks about all those foundational things. Then he moves to application. So this part in, our, in this uh, uh, letter, this part, Paul is talking about, listen, this is how you are called to live. And if you see the word therefore anytime in the scriptures, you have to ask yourself, what is it therefore? Paul has just wrapped up the last 11 chapters, the gospel, the work of Jesus, the goodness of Christ, what he has done, the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, what that means for us both now but also forever. Paul has just wrapped up, and now Paul's saying, hey, listen, now that I told you all that you needed to know, this is what I want you to do. So the one thing we got to realize today that in order for us to have real change, as we said before, we have to have a firm foundation. And what does our foundation need to be? What does Paul say in verse 1? I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, listen, by the mercies of God. There's one thing that you can describe God as, merciful. There's one thing you can describe God as, and that is gracious. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for God's mercy in my life. I don't know about you, I've done everything in my life to, 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 to get all of God's wrath. I have done everything in my life. I have hurt people. I've disrespected people. I have said things that I said that I shouldn't say. You ever had that moment in your life? Ask my wife. She's like, he says it all the time. <laughs> I have done everything in my life to deserve hell. But instead, God has been merciful. Instead, God has been gracious. Now, I love that Paul uses merciful. Now, mercy and grace, they can mean the same thing, but at the end of the day, they have different uh, uh, definitions. Grace is giving you something you don't deserve. What I love about mercy, listen to this. Mercy is not doing the thing that you actually deserve. And let's be honest, God has been infinitely merciful to us in our lives today. God, listen, the thing that you keep doing, mercy keeps coming. The Bible actually says this, as sin increases, grace and mercy increases all the more. So you can never outsin God's mercy. Now, what is this mercy meant to do? Is it just meant for us to keep doing what we're doing? Is it meant for us to just stay where we're at? No, Paul tells us that the mercy and the kindness and the grace of God makes me change. Why? Because God has treated me better, so therefore I want to live better in my life. 
That's how I change. You want to know my motivation to change? God's mercy. You want to know why I want to treat my wife better? Because God has treated me infinitely better. You want to know why I want to be a better leader? Because God has faithfully led me in all of my life. Paul says this, the mercy of God has got to be your foundation. It's got to be the center. See, the doorway to change is the gospel. The doorway to become who you were truly meant to be, because we all have this idea of who we want to be, but God has a whole different side of who you were meant to be. And the gospel, question this, the gospel is that doorway to become the man, to become the woman, to become the father, to become the wife that you were meant to be. That's the gospel. Why? Because God has treated me better. Paul says this, you need to consume your life with the mercy of God. Have anybody had a moment before in their lives where they're like, man, this should have happened, but it didn't? My man right here, you understand that. There's a Christian in the house right here. Young man, he's about to be like 16 years old, only Christian in the room today. <laughs> you ever had a moment in your life, you're like, man, I should have gotten way worse trouble. Listen, my job should have fired me. My wife should have left me. But man, the mercy of God was greater than my sin. The mercy of God was greater than my sin. Now, Paul says this, root yourself in mercy. Consume yourself in mercy, because what happens after? Because what happens when you center yourself in the mercy of God, that God has been better to you than you ever deserved, you begin to shape and become the person you be, you're meant to become. How? Number one, I just want to say this off the rip. Number one, when you consume yourself in the mercy of God, typically what happens, you tend, for me in my own personal life, I tend to see everything as a gift. Listen, I have to realize and I have to come to this truth. There is nothing in my life that I got on my own. Listen, my wife didn't marry me because of my good looks, y'all. <laughs> what you laughing for? Anybody ask you to laugh about that? My wife didn't marry me because of my good looks. I don't have my children because I'm just this awe-inspiring leader in my life. I don't have this influence because I'm the smartest and I'm the most educated. No, all that I have in my life is a gift from God. Because the mercy of God, you can clap if you're going to clap, commit to it. Because here's the truth, here's the truth. God has been merciful, and his mercy comes wrapped up in this thing called gifts. My wife is a gift. My job is a gift. The very breath that I breathe is a gift. So because all the things that God has given me is a gift, what I want to do is be a faithful steward. Why? Because he was faithful to me, and I want to be faithful to what he has given me. So I want to treat everything better, mature, faithful. I just want to be better in my life. Why? Because I've seen the mercy of God become real more and more. That's what Paul says. Sarah, they are excited today, Sarah. They are excited today, Sarah. So Paul says, listen, by the mercies of God, by the mercy of God, listen, God could have gave me hell, but instead he gave me his son. God, listen, I don't know, but I've just done some stupid things, and I am thankful for the mercy of God. This is also what happens. I tend to realize that when I, when I consume myself in mercy, what happens is I start becoming more merciful as well, too. What, what, I, what I realize is if God is treating me better than I ever deserve, that means I need to learn how to extend it as well, too. 
There's a reason why grace and mercy is so powerful because it not only empowers you to be different, but it empowers you to treat others better. Because let me tell you something right now. Friends, people suck. (laughs) Amen. People suck. Listen, listen. Your boss is annoying. (laughs) He said, yeah. (laughs) Listen, listen, listen. Your spouse does the same thing over and over again that they did 10 years ago, and they keep doing the same thing. You tell them to stop doing it, but they keep doing it. That one was for me. But anyway, but what happens is when I've realized grace, when I've realized mercy, when I've truly understand, as Paul says in one of his letters, when you truly understand the grace of God, it begins to change me, but also change the way I treat others. Where in our lives do we need to be a little bit more gracious? Question I just want to ask before we move on to this next point. Where in our lives do we need to be a little bit more merciful? Because I can tell you right now, we've done worse things to God than we've done to others or what others have done to us. Can I just be honest with you? We have done, we have offended God way more than the offenses that come to us in our lives. Where, where do we need to be gracious and merciful? Because if you truly understand the grace and the mercy of God, then it will become the, the driver of the way that you treat others in your life. So Paul starts off with this. He says, he says now listen, by the mercies of God, this is where you need to be rooted. This is the foundation of your life. This is the reason why you do what you need to do. Why? Because of the mercy of God. But then he goes even further. He now goes into this thing called worship. Now let me say this thing about worship. Worship is more than what was just done up here on this stage. Worship is not just what you do in song. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is what you do. Worship is who you are. And at the end of the day, worship is not a religious word. Because from the skeptic to the Christians, everybody worships something. Everybody makes something priority in their life. Whether it's their spouse or their girlfriend or their boyfriend or their job or success or God. We all worship something in our lives. And Paul says, this is your worship. Listen, verse 1. Bring a verse 1 for me. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that's where you need to be rooted, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, that living sacrifice, that's a strange wording, right? If you know your Old Testament, Paul is borrowing the Old Testament practice of worship. If you know your Old Testament, you would know that in the Old Testament, the Israelites, the, the, the people of God, the, the nation God had chosen, what they would do is that their practice of worship was all through offering. They would offer a, a drink offering. They would offer an animal sacrifice. It's all throughout the, the Old Testament. So what would happen is the person would, would bring the animal and the priest that was working in the temple, they would take the animal and they would put it on the altar. And then as they put it on the altar, the, the priest would slaughter and slay the animal. And the animal would die. Now, what is the reason for this? The reason why they brought the animal was to atone for the sin of Israel. Now, here's the truth, friends. Listen, we do not need to do that anymore because we already have a spotless lamb who went onto the cross, who atoned for our sin and our inequity. But what is Paul exactly talking about? Paul's using this as an imagery. He's, he's using this as a hyperbole. What Paul is saying, listen, listen, remember how the old Israelites, the Old Testament people, remember how they practiced worship? 
in some type of spiritual way, you are meant to do the same thing. What is Paul trying to say? Paul's saying, listen, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Paul's saying, hey, at the end of the day, you need to be the one climbing on the altar and dying to yourself. You need to be the one going on the altar and completely giving everything up for the sake and the cause of Christ. Paul's saying, hey, at the end of the day, you need to totally, completely commit to God. But here's the thing. Here's the reason why I think I find myself getting in trouble so much. Because I haven't completely given myself to God. God only gets part of me, not all of me. You know, you know what I like to say? I like to say this. I like to say, God, you can have my problems, but you can't have my plans. Let's, let's let that sit. God, when things go, get hard, take care of it. You're God. You're powerful. You can do it all. But my plans are my plans, and you can't get on my plans. Or, or sometimes we like to say, God, God, you know, um, when it comes to the finances thing, I, I got it all under control. Like, I know you're a God, and I know you're all powerful. I know you're the creator of the, the ends of the world. But you know, when it comes to finances, I don't need you, God. But you know, you, you can get me on Sunday morning. I'll be here Sunday. That should be enough, right? See, what Paul is saying, listen, listen, friends. Real change happens when you fully devote yourself to the Lord. When you told the Lord, listen, God, you can have my sexuality. God, you can have my mind. God, you can have not just my brokenness, not just my pain. but God, you can have it all. Why? Because of your mercy. Because of your mercy, God. Because of your mercy. That's the beautiful thing about Christianity. Christianity, the practice of it isn't to get approval, but it's working from approval. That's what's beautiful about Christianity. It's not work, work, work so God can like you. No, God has already shown that he loves you by sending his own son to do all the things that you deserve, but it was taken on him. Him who knew no sin, he became our sin so that we might be the righteousness of God. So what Paul is saying, hey, listen, you should fully give yourself to God because of the mercy of God. And friends, I noticed this. When I try to change on my own, it never, ever works out. But when I say, God, I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm yours, Lord. It's not my life. And that's the beautiful thing about this, this idea of worship. Listen, it's you taking the hands off your life and saying, God, you put your hands on my life. God, it's your way, not mine. It's your way, not mine. Paul says this is your spiritual worship. Worship in the Old Testament, the, the word is uh, kabod. Now, kabod, what it meant was it meant weight or glory. So at the end of the day, we all give something kabod. We all give something our weight. We all give something our worship. And worship essentially is you will give priority and focus over whatever you think is essential for the good life. If you think this person, you need this person to be happy, you'll say to yourself, well, at the end of the day, I will give all my attention to them. If you say to yourself, I need this, this status and this success, so I would do anything and everything to make sure that happens. Friends, at the end of the day, that's where we give our priority and our focus. And so Paul is saying, worship is you offering yourself over to God because at the end of the day, worship always, always is all about a sacrifice. 
So when you worship something, you're sacrificing and putting it over something else. And I can be honest with you, sometimes I like to worship things more than worship God. I like to worship people more than I worship God. Well, a couple years ago, I, I listened to this sermon by the name, a uh, guy by the name of J.D. Greer. And he said, at the end of the day, what we see in the scriptures and what we see through humanity, everybody has a worship disorder. I find that very interesting that he uses that language. He says, we all have a worship disorder from Adam, and, from Adam to Eve to the person sitting in this room today in 2022. We all have this worship disorder. Pretty much, we like to put things above God. Pretty much, we like to put things in the sea and take God off the sea. We like to say, God, I like you, but I actually really need this. And I love he gave these, these, these points about, these six points about how do you know if you have a worship disorder? This is pretty interesting. Now, I need you to understand this. As I present these questions, answer them honestly, y'all. Don't be like, oh, that's God. No, no, answer it honestly. J.D. Greer says this. He says, <clears throat> number one, the thing I'd be most worried about losing is, what is it? What's the thing that you would be most worried about losing? What's, what's the thing that, for me, can I, can I just put myself on, 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 on the scene? For me, the thing I'd be most worried about losing, <sighs> influence. Because I want to be so successful. And if I can be honest with you, I worship success. Because at the end of the day, I want to feel important. But if I go even deeper than that, the reason why I want to feel important, because when I was younger, I really didn't feel important. So in order to feel like I got something going on, I need to make sure that I make life happen for me. And if I don't achieve this success, well, then there's no meaning to life. Maybe that's you today. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's you today. But he also goes on, he says, number two, he says, the thing I'd be most worried about never attaining is, what is it for you? I like this one. What has made you most bitter in life? Listen, we all have been robbed of something. Something has been taken from us. And here's the thing. A lot of us like to hold grudges. And really what they'll say is, they'll say is, the, the one who holds grudges, the one that is bitter, what you're doing is you're, you're, you're worshiping that pain. And you're saying to yourself, nothing or no one can ever take away what somebody did to me. So therefore, I'm going to hold this against this person. But at the end of the day, me holding it is worse than what they actually did to me in the beginning. But what is making you most bitter? How about this? Number three, I like this one. What can't you forgive? What can't you forgive? Uh, one of my favorite uh, um, American therapists, he says this, the inability, to, the inability to forgive is always connected to an idol you think someone robbed you of. Some of us, we say to ourselves, listen, I understand this forgiveness thing, but you don't understand what that person did to me. That whole forgiveness thing, I like you, Jesus, but you know what? You can forgive my sin, but I can't forgive everybody else's sin. Why? Because what they did is a little bit worse than what I did to you. We all say to ourselves, I can't, I can't forgive this person. I can't, I can't let this go. So really what we're saying is that pain, we're saying to ourselves, this defines my life. We're saying to ourselves, when I, when I decide to hold forgiveness from someone, I'm saying, this pain is the most important thing, and I'm going to hold on to it because it defines me. He also goes on to say this. He says, <clears throat> number five I'm on. He says, what are you willing to lie for? Now, listen, this one hit me hard. 
Because I'm the type of person, I exaggerate a little bit more than I need to. Why do I exaggerate? The only reason why I exaggerate things is because I want to look a little bit impressive. Because I want to be impressive, and because I want to be impressive, I'll lie. Yes, I'm putting myself on front street today, and some of you are in the same, same category, but I'm just willing to admit it today. So, and, and what happens is I want to be impressive, and because I want to be impressive, I'll go to the place, and, I, and I'll fib a little bit. No, 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 let me be honest with you. I'll lie, because the last thing I want you to see is my flaws. I don't want you to see my brokenness. I remember one time I sat down with this pastor. I had, I had uh, coffee with him, and he asked me, let me tell you what pastors, all they talk about, theology and church attendance. Literally, that's all they talk about. That's it. There's nothing else. It's like, nope, I don't think I knew the guy's name. But anyway, so we sat down, and he says, hey, man, what's your church attendance? And I may have exaggerated a little bit, you know, man, you know, I got a couple thousand, you know what I'm saying? I got a, got a couple thousand that go to church, you know, you know we're doing okay. And he goes on, he sa- and I ask him, and he says, I got 15,000 people that come to my church. And I said, you loser. I hate you. Because at, that, because here's, at the end of the day, I want to be impressive. I want, pe- I want people to like me. So what does that mean? That means I'll go to, 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 to certain extents to do whatever to get them to like me. What are you willing to lie for? Number six. Or, yeah, number six. Where do you turn through for comfort? When things don't go your way, what do you turn to for comfort? When, when life is hard, what do you turn to for comfort? When you don't feel love, what do you turn for comfort? When you don't feel respect in your life, for, see, for a lot of us, we turn to alcohol. For a lot of us, we turn to, to, to shame. For a lot of us, we turn to pornography. For a lot of us, we, we turn to people. We say, hey, you know what? I need to find my comfort in this person because this person is the only way of how I'll be happy. As long as I go to this person, I need this person to make me happy. I need that person to make me happy. And if that person doesn't make me happy, then there's no meaning to life. See, the fact of the matter is, is friends, the more and more we dig into the, to the gospel, the more and more we dig into grace, the more and more we dig into mercy, the, reason, the, the more and more we see that God is greater than success, that God is greater than others' approval, that God is greater than anything and everything that we long for, because all of it finds it in Christ Jesus himself. Paul says, root yourself in the mercy of God. The approval you are seeking, find it in the gospel. The, the, the love that you desire, find it in the gospel. The hope that you starve for every single day, find it in the gospel. The, the, the meaning of life that you need to get out of bed so you can go to work and do what you need to do, find all of that in the gospel. That's what Paul says. By the mercies of God, offer yourself up as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual worship. But Paul doesn't stop there. Paul goes on to verse 2, and he continues on before our time ending today. He continues on. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but rather be transformed. What I love about verse 2, confirm, here's what he doesn't mean. A lot of us will read this and say, well, I guess I can't have... Uh, um, non-Christian friends. Paul's not saying that. What Paul is saying is this. You know you need to change, but there are some things you need to first detach from in order to change. So Paul says, 
You know you need to change. And we all know the things we need to do to change. But instead, we get a little bit too comfortable and say to ourselves, well, I don't want to change. You know, I kind of like hanging out with this group. Even though they make me miserable every time I'm around them. Even though they make me angry every time I walk away from them. But I just want to be around them. Paul says at the end of the day, what you need to learn to do is to complete that change. You need to learn to attach yourself from certain things and certain people in order to complete that change. For me, you know the thing I need to detach from? This thing called excuses. This thing called excuses. When I was in a fraternity in college, we had this very saying that we used to say, uh, uh, excuses are tools for the incompetent. That's what you used to say. When I was, when I was with, my, with my bros online, we say, excuses are tools for the incompetent. So I had to stop making excuses in my life. What is the one thing you need to detach from more and more to make that completion more and more real in your life? What is it? And then Paul says this. This is what you need to learn to do. You need to, you need to detach yourself, but also he says you need to renew your mind. My favorite part of today, we need to renew our minds because here's the thing, the key to change begins in our minds. One of my favorite pastors, Craig Rochelle, says this. He says, if you change the way that you think, you'll change the way you live. And let's be honest, sometimes our, our thoughts get very, very dark. Our thoughts get dark. You ever, you, ever, you, ever, you ever had your mind go to a certain place and you realize, how did I get here? You ever ask yourself that? Our minds get dark because of the way others have treated us or because the, the way that we look or the, what we're, what's not happening in our own lives. Our mind just gets darker and darker. But Paul says this, renew your mind, what? With the mercy and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let the gospel, the light of the gospel, shine in the darkest moments that you have, that traffic more and more in your mind. Because here's the thing, friends. A renewed mind is essential for transformation. A renewed mind is essential for transformation. That means I have to constantly remind myself of the goodness of God. Because, you know, it's so easy to think about the bad. You know, naturally in this world, we're pulled to negativity. Do you know that? Naturally in this world, we're, we're pulled to negativity. That means we have to make the effort to go the opposite direction. See, I'm the type of person, when things don't go my way, I'm like, nobody likes me. I'm stupid. I'm never going to be anything in the church. I'm never going to be successful. I'm the dumbest person ever. But you know what a renewed mind says? At the end of the day, God's goodness is greater than my darkness. That's what that means. Paul says you got to renew your mind. you got to renew your mind. This word transformation, it means metamorphe. In the, in the original. That's where we get the word metamorphosis. That's where we get the word metamorphosis. Paul says, here's the thing. If you want to see real change, it starts in your mind. And I've noticed this, friends. I, I've realized that, that my way to renewal begins with my intimacy towards Christ. See, when Christ is absent, my thoughts get dark. When Christ is absent, my thoughts get dark. 
But what happens in Christ, in Christ alone, he begins to reframe the perspective of life. He begins to restore my identity because because of my thoughts, my identity gets whacked and all over the place. He begins to restore my, 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 my identity. I begin to rebuke the things that shouldn't be trafficked in my mind. Only when I see Christ. Here's the thing, friends. A lot of us want to change the outcome in our lives. But if you want to change the outcome, you got to change the income. If you want to change the outcome, you got to change, you got to change the way you feed your thoughts. And I just want to leave a couple things before we break off and before we worship. I want to, I want to leave these kind of three practices that I do in my own personal life that help me to have a renewed mind. I'm not perfect. Believe me, right when I go sit down, I'm going to be saying to myself, did I do a good job? Do they like me? Are they going to welcome me back? You're supposed to say yes. Thank you. But uh, just joking. Just joking. They're pride, pride. But here are three things. Number one, don't be a victim. <clears throat> one of the reasons why I think sometimes my mind gets whacked is because I play the victim card so much. If my dad would have just did this, I would be better. If my mom would have just stepped up a little bit more, if I would have gone to this school, if I would have gotten this break, and I, and, and I love to play the victim card. But what happens is sometimes, friends, victory is not found in victim mentality. So sometimes I got to say to myself, you know what? Yeah, that may be true, but what can I do now? Because here's the thing about trauma. Trauma always keeps you in the past. Trauma always keeps you, you know what? If they would have just did this, you always keep looking back. But let me tell you something. God is the God of moving forward. God moves forward. While we're doing this, God's like, are you coming? No? Okay, well, I'm going to keep going. God is the God that keeps moving forward. Number two, my, uh, <laughs> one of my favorite ones right here. Identify the lie. Now, I got this from this book uh, from Craig Groeschel that I just mentioned in uh, this book that he has, uh, Winning the War in Your Mind. I almost forgot the title. And he says this, you have to learn how to identify the lie because sometimes in our minds, we feed ourselves so much lies. We tell ourselves so much of our shame, so much of our past, so much of our dirt, so much of our unhealthy things that it becomes to the point where it begins to stain and ruin what God wants to do in and through your life. So you have to learn how to identify the lie. Here's the lie, friends. When you tell yourself you're not worthy. Here's a lie, friends. When you tell yourself you don't have a future. Here's a lie, friends. When you tell yourself I'm always going to be an addict. Here's a lie, friends. Here's a lie, friends. Nobody ever cares about me. Some of the things that we think about, right? Here, here's, a, here's another lie, friends. Here's, here's a big lie right here. God doesn't love me too dirty for God to love me. So here's what I've noticed. If it's not in here, it shouldn't be in here. If it's, if it's not in this, if it's not in this book, if it's not what God said, it can't be in here. So you got to learn how to identify the lies. Number three, last one. <laughs> Some of us need to see a counselor. Some of us, when it comes to, to renewal in our minds, we just need to get help. Just need to get help. Now, I'm not here to, to play therapist or counselor. I'm just a pastor trying to give you biblical truth. But here's the truth. God gives us people so that we can identify the ugliness in us. 
And myself, I see a counselor. Yeah. The guy standing on stage today, the guy presenting the Bible to you today, I see a therapist. Because I was so sick and tired of being angry all the time. I was so, listen, I was so angry. You, you, ever, you ever just make up scenarios that like, this isn't even true. This isn't even happening in my life. I started with one thing and now I'm all the way over here and next you know I have cancer and I'm going to die and my kids have no family and all this stuff. But what happens is, see, see, here's the thing. I believe there are good people out there, well-meaning Christians out there who are after your good, who can help you so you can have a renewed I want, to, I want to encourage you to do that. Now, you gotta, now, it takes a lot of vulnerability to do that. I didn't know if I was going to tell you if I see a counselor today. I didn't know how you are going to think about me. But you know what? I don't care. And that's the truth. Here's my question. Here's my question. Let me ask you a question. This time next year, are you going to be different? I like that answer. This time next year, are you going to be the same attitude-driven person? Are you going to be the same bitter, mean person? This time next year, are you going to be the same anxious, stressed-out person? Are you going to be the same person that just tells yourself all the victim thoughts about why and how come and you should have and all that stuff? The question I want to ask you, friends, this time next year, are you going to be different than what you are today? And if you want to, yes, I want to lead you in a prayer. I want to lead you in this prayer, and I want you to say this prayer. But here's the thing about, I know about us church folks. We'll pray one thing, and we'll do another thing when we get out. I want you to mean this in your heart. I want you to say, God, I am committing to change today. I'm committing to difference, to newness, to renewal. I'm committing to it. It's going to be hard. I'm going to want to quit. I'm going to want to make excuses. But at the end of the day, I'm awaiting for what you have for me at the end of the day. So if that's you today, I want to say a prayer over you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word is true. Your word has power. God, I, I feel powerless right now. God, I know a lot of us in this room feel weak. Our powerless and our weak moments may come from the situations that we go through in our lives, the the moments of failure, the moments of depression, the moments of loneliness, the moments of, 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 of situations, Lord, that we, f we find ourselves in and we feel powerless. But Lord, when we take refuge in you, we find power and strength. So God, today I, I pray that you would give the person that longs to be new and different and change, give them the power from you to be different to have different and better thoughts, God. To not have thoughts that leave them in such a place of darkness, but have thoughts that bring your light of the gospel in their hearts. Lord, I, I pray for the person today that is so beat up because of life. They want to be happy. They want to be new. But life was just beat them up. But I pray, Lord, that you would introduce to them a greater strength and a greater power. And, Lord, that they would sense your calling in their lives. And they would commit to become the people that you've called them to be. Would you do that in our lives today? Lord, last but not least, 
Help us to have a renewed mind. God, I'm sick and tired of having bad thoughts. I'm sick and tired of letting my thoughts affect my family. I'm sick and tired of my thoughts affecting my children, affecting my leadership. Lord, give me better way. Show me your way. In your son's perfect name, so we pray. Amen.